Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. I spoke earlier today to Mark Pay, who is the CEO of Arizona Metals, TSXV listed gold explorer with assets in Arizona. And if you want our take on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports, uh, market commentary from experts from around the world, training videos, and also uh, summaries of other interviews that we've done. Plus, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now and sign up for the waiting list, you get access to a seven-day free trial. Mark, how are you doing, sir? Hi, good morning. Good morning to you. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Toronto, Canada. Right. Nice picture in the background. I'm assuming that's the property. Yeah, that's our K-mine uh, in the background. That's our, our drill site. Fantastic, fantastic. And so how are how things in Toronto? All okay? I know it's early in the morning there, so that's the first tough thing you've got to get over. Yeah, that's right. I know it's, it's, it's good. We're dealing with uh, the same problems everyone else is around the world, but it seems things are slowly improving. And you can manage, manage things from Toronto? Yeah, we, we're lucky that um, we have two geologists based in the, in the U.S. One is, one is actually in Arizona, so he's a, he has access to the site at all times. And our VP of exploration is, is based in, in Seattle, right. Smith. So we can really get a handle on things from here. Fantastic. Okay. Well, like, um, first time we've spoken, first time we've heard this story. So why don't you give us that one minute overview on Arizona Metals, please? Yeah. Arizona Metals is a recently listed company listed in August of 2019. We own 100% of two exploration projects in Arizona, the flagship asset is the K-Mine. It's an hour north of Phoenix. It's a high-grade VMS copper gold deposit. Has a historic resource uh, defined in 1982 by Exxon Minerals. It's roughly 6 million tons at 6.4% copper equivalent, primarily made up of copper and gold. Uh, hasn't been explored in the last 40 years until we started our phase, drill, phase one drill program this January. And then the second project is the Sugarloaf Peak project. We also own 100% of that. That is uh, two hours west of Phoenix. Heap Leach Open Pit Target also has a historic resource from 1983. Million and a half ounces of gold at 0.5. So it's, it's lower grade, but we think good expansion potential. We've just completed a small drill program there, primarily for metallurgy. We want to show that the deposit can leach before we start spending money on making it bigger. Uh, right now we're focused on permitting a phase two program at our K-Mine. It's an 11,000 meter program. We're expecting to start drilling again later this year. Perfect, perfect. Thanks for the summary. Um, Chris, we haven't spoken before and it's you know, you're kind of early days. I wouldn't mind just trying to understand where you guys have come from. So looking down the, the team, I mean, can you tell me a little bit about your history first, please? Yeah, the company was founded by myself and Paul Reed, who's the chairman. We started the company in 2014. Uh, prior to that, we had worked together for a number of years in the brokerage business. I was a mining research analyst and Paul was a banker. And we're primarily financing junior mining and exploration companies. Uh, in 2011, we started a company called Telegraph Gold and we raised money to acquire assets primarily in California. And the main asset we acquired was the Castle Mountain Mine which was a past producing heat bleach open pit mine that had been shut down due to low gold price, but also some legal issues. Uh, once those issues were cleared up, we acquired it in 2011. We listed it in 2013 as Castle Mountain Mining. 
uh, we stepped away from the management on the listing. We still remain shareholders, obviously, and uh, it then became Newcastle Gold. And then last year, Newcastle Gold merged with two others to form Equinox Mining. And the Castle Mountain Mine just went back into production this year. Uh, so once we were stepped away from that, we're looking around the same area and we came across the Sugarloaf Peak Project, which is in the same Sonora Mojave Megashear. There's a string of heap leach open pit projects running from northern Mexico through Arizona into California. So we first acquired the Sugarloaf Peak Project in 2016 while the company was still private. And then in 2019, we acquired the K-Mine, which is also Arizona, but high grade. We're looking for higher grade projects to work on too. And then listed the company last year, started drilling it this January. Right. Thank you. What I'm trying to get at, I'm trying to understand is what past influences uh, affecting and driving business plans going forward. So are you looking to replicate that model? Obviously with, you know, Telegraph and then Mountain and then, you know, it became Newcastle, et cetera. Is it yeah, is our, something our, different? Yeah, it's very similar. Our plan, our plan in the previous company was to find assets that had at least a historic resource on that had a significant amount of work done but hadn't been advanced either because of metal prices at the time or you know, some other issue that we think could be overcome now. And Sugarloaf Peak fits that. It has a historic resource from 1983, hadn't been worked on in 30 years. At the time, 0.5 gram gold was too low grade at the gold prices of the time. K-Mine is, K-Mine is very similar, has a historic resource. When Exxon had this project in 1982, uh, it was at the metal prices of the time, the historic grade was about 4% copper equivalent, which was considered marginal in those days because the, the deposits close to it were running at 10% underground and 5% in the open pits. So it didn't work back then. You know, but 40 years later, the deposits being untouched, metal prices much better. We're starting off with a decent sized resource that we think we can expand, upgrade, de-risk, do the metallurgy, do the background testing, and eventually sell it. Our, our goal would be to make it big enough to sell to a mid-tier company or a major company that could put it into production. Right. Okay. So again, just sticking with, again, le- lessons of the past. So how much money did you put into Telegraph Gold and you know, what, did, what, did, what did you guys walk away with when you listed Mountain, um, Castle Mountain? So we acquired, we acquired the Castle Mountain project for, it was about $8 million in cash and share payments over five years uh, with $2 million in cash upfront. At that time, the deposit had a historic resource of about uh, 2 million ounces at a gram. Uh, the company raised, I think it was about $8 million in the listing, but subsequently over the next three years raised probably about $20 million and did a lot of drilling to convert that historic estimate from 2 million ounces up to, I believe it's about 4 million ounces, but also, you know, doing updated PAs, uh, technical studies. When the company, so we listed the company at a valuation of, it would have been about $20 million and it was acquired when it merged last year, it was worth about a hundred million dollars. And obviously now it's, it's going into production. So, we think there's value to be had with the projects we have by putting in the drill work to prove the resources from historic, which is just pre-4101, 
uh, into 43101 compliance, but also do the do the metallurgy, uh, do the technical, you know, do the economic studies to show it works. Right. So again, so again, I just want to see what you've learned. You know, the things that you're going to apply going forward. So is, was that eight million plus twenty million, or is that twenty million in total that you raised? Um, it was. It was. We raised we raised eight million privately. Right. The the way that the way the acquisition was structured, it was eight million uh, in cash and expiration payments over five years. Right. So uh, it was two million in cash up front, and then five million in drilling over the next five years. And then you raised twenty which, million. You know, I think subsequent to that. Yeah, after the Got after it. the listing or alongside as part of the as part of the the process. Right, and then but but once. Once it was public, we weren't involved in the management anymore. We we just we listed it, got it up and running. Right. I guess what I'm trying to understand is, you know, having gone through that process, do you think you created value? I think you're saying, well, maybe we should have captured more value further down the line, and that's the lesson we're going to take and apply to this project. Or, or is that not the case? I think. Um, look, our shareholders, our shareholders that were involved from the beginning did very well out of that out of that project. And many of them are the same shareholders that are in this company now for that reason. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the value that's, as you say, we might have captured would have been more related to the gold price if we had hung on from, you know, when we listed that project, when we acquired that project, the gold price was very low. When we listed it, maybe gold price was a lot less than it is now, obviously. But uh, we we acquired we acquired the Sugarloaf project and the K project, we think at relatively low uh, part of the cycle, low gold price, low copper price. So we think there's lots of value left to capture now by putting the work in through drilling. Okay, so I'm looking at if I'm looking at the mining analyst that you were. What advice would you be giving yourself with regards to this project in terms of again lessons learned? Uh, well. I think the key the key thing is going to be to show the scale to show the to show how big this can be. That's what's going to drive the value. Right. We have we have to show that the K mine can be much bigger than the six million tons that was that was proven up by Exxon in 1982. But they had a very narrow focus of where their exploration was. The project is very underexplored. Right. Okay. So now we're getting into, I think, the, the business plan um, proper. So you've got two options really: is to kind of prove up the resource or apply, you know, limited funds to proving the scale of this. So the question is, why choose that route versus just um, kind of going going back and proving up the resource? Well, at the K mine, the the six million tons uh, historic estimate by Exxon is defined over a strike length of three hundred and twenty meters. We've just completed a phase one program, which was 6,700 meters and 20 holes. We hit massive sulfides on all, almost all 19 of the 20 holes. The 20th, we actually stopped because it was a bit off target. But so we're, we're pretty confident in the historic data based on that phase one program. The drilling is really confirming what Exxon reported. Now that that's done, our option, as you said, is either drill another 20,000 meters into that to prove that 6 million tons from historic into 43101 or start expanding it. And we think because this project is so underexplored, there's real potential to make it much bigger, both on strike. So we're, we're planning to drill now about 500 meters on strike to the north. So almost double the strike to the north 
and another 300 meters on strike to the south. Those areas have never been drilled, but our geophysics, soil sampling, rock sampling is all showing, you know, very good indication that it does expand in those directions. And then there's also two large targets to the west that have never been tested. So in the last 40 years, all the exploration was focused on the K-mine, and most of that work was done from underground. There was very little surface drilling done. And the surface drilling that was done was focused below the workings of the K-mine. So we think the real potential here to show the scale is to start testing this to the west of those untested targets and on strike. And once we've, once we've shown that, you know, there's potential, we think there's potentially multiple K-type deposits on our claims, which is typical in the region and typical for these VMS-type deposits. Uh, you know, if we can show that, I think that shows the market that this could be, you know, a significant uh, land package. Right. And who are you trying to um, impress? Is, is it the market or have you got you know, partners in mind? Because it's going to take some money to... to Going to continue to do that strategy. You've got, you had about eight million bucks as of the end of June, with some warrants potentially three and a half million bucks of warrants as well. It, I mean, that's going to take you so far. So, what what do you intend to do with that by the end of next year? Yeah. So our our goal is to you know make this project, make the K deposit bigger, prove potential other projects, and start the de-risking process. So we've started some baseline studies, showing water studies. Uh, we've also started some. Uh, we started a desktop metallurgy study. To, we're planning the the long term metallurgical testing for the project uh, with with SRK, uh, which you know which will which will increase as we continue to get drill holes. You know the ultimate goal being you know we're not mine builders. We want to sell this project to somebody that can build a mine. And there are a number of mid tiers or majors. And you know the some the the obvious targets of people that have VMS mines themselves. And, you know, Arizona is obviously a large copper producing state. Uh, you know, we're, we know it's going to take work and the, the key things are going to be to show the scale, but also the metallurgy. And that's what we're, we're working on now. See, um, I guess you don't know enough to be able to say whether it's a fairly homogenous, um, you know, uh, asset that you've got there. So you're going to, it's basically, is it going to be, you feel sort of step and repeat and kind of move along strike? which case that's just you know quite a simple process. But what do you think you need to produce to get the interest of some of these mid-tiers to come in and you know think about developing this further or you know be in a position to build out? Well, you know, our sort of back of the envelope uh, DCF analysis at uh, current metal prices, we think we need at least 10 million tons. Although, you know, it's very high grade, it probably could be smaller, but I think 10 million tons is is the right number at this kind of grade to support a standalone operation, which would we think would be a small concentrator at the site. And then the concentrate would obviously be shipped off somewhere. You know, Ex Exxon thought the potential, Exxon in 1982 thought the potential of this deposit just on strike was to expand from 6 million to 15 million tons. Uh, they weren't taking into account these two large targets to the West that are both untested, but you know, either one we think could be as large as K itself. So I think 10 million tons is is an achievable goal, but you know we're really trying to make it significantly bigger than that. Right. And so, how much drilling are you going to complete by the end of this year? Uh, we're planning to start an 11,000 meter program. If we start next month, uh, we could probably get a third or a third of the way through it by the end of this year. Uh, but it would it would it would go into it would go into Q1. Definitely. Right. And that's been delayed because of like yeah. COVID rather than anything else. 
Yeah, we finished we finished our our phase one program this August, and that that was delayed by about two months because of COVID. We we put everything on hold. We stopped everything in March for a month, uh, just out of you know precaution to put in the right kind of safety protocols, make sure everyone at site was following uh, safety protocols, make sure everything was safe, and that also slowed us down by another month just on the permitting. So as soon as as soon as we finished the Phase one program this August, we started the permitting. Once we had all the results back, we've also done downhole geophysics. So we, you know, we had to do some analysis of that. We started the permitting process straight away. We expect to receive the drill permit in the next few weeks, which will allow us to start up hopefully November. Okay, fine. And, and what are the other things that kind of hold you back during all of this? I mean, in terms of like assaying, you know, locally, is that, is that being affected? We did, we did have just in the last uh, two months, I'd say we had some slowdown. You know, we were averaging two weeks to get to get assay results, and unfortunately, unfortunately, the lab had uh, some infections, and people were quarantined. So, you know, it was probably taking us uh, almost two months to get assays compared to two weeks prior. Right. Okay. But it does it does seem to be does seem to be improving again. But in you know, the same in, in terms of the permitting, it's a bit slower, obviously, because. The uh, the Bureau of Land Management people aren't at the offices often, and there's there's less people there. But it's uh it's slowed down, but it's 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 still looking fairly smooth so far. Okay, now I was just checking. You know, sometimes um, when when companies are talking about you know assays being slowed down, it's usually because there's bad results. But this is just I just want to understand what's happening in, in Arizona and um, you know see see how people are being affected. Um, Okay, well, like, the question is, I notice you kind of alternate between quoting in gold equivalent and copper equivalent, as opposed to sort of keeping it all the same. Why, why do you alternate between the two? Well, the, the K-mine, uh, is a, is a, it's a copper gold VMS deposit. Uh, the 6 million tons that was defined by Exxon is primarily copper gold. So the, the metal value in K is uh, primarily copper gold. And if you take into account the historic recovery, so there was some, there was some preliminary metallurgy done in, 19, in the 1950s. And uh, some limited flotation testing was done in 1951, and they were getting 90% recovery of copper and 70% recovery of gold and silver. So if you take into that into if you take into account those numbers with the historic grades, the bulk of the metal value is going to be in copper with gold and silver as a credit. And those type those type of recoveries are typical of the 60 past producing mines around us. The region was primarily a copper gold VMS region. There's 60 past producing deposits, and they all averaged kind of 90 to 95 percent copper recoveries with 70 to 80 percent gold. The reason that we have some of the assays in gold equivalents is because on the southern edge of the K-mine, the deposit switches from being primarily copper gold to being, it looks like, a gold zinc lens. And that's typical in these VMS deposits. Above the heat source where the deposit forms, you typically get a rich copper gold zone. And then as you move distally uh, into a cooler region of deposition, you get into more of a zinc lead or zinc Zinc precious metal zone, and that's what we're seeing. And Exxon had reported this too. At the southern edge of the deposit, they reported that they were getting into high-grade sphalerite, so zinc sulfide. But they had no interest, so in many cases, they wouldn't assay it. 
Uh, we've drilled into that area and we're seeing what they reported. So the copper values dropped from three to 5% on average down to 0.1%. So very low copper, but the zinc grades increased from 2% up to 10%. But with that, we're seeing very good gold grades. So four to six grams. So in that region, the metal value, even taking into account recoveries is primarily in, in gold with the zinc credit. Right. So we, you know, we think that's actually a very important exploration target for us is to have, uh, looking into that southern area, there's potentially a gold rich, gold rich zinc lands there that's much lower copper. So in some of our holes on the edge there, hole 9, 10C, and hole 15, those are reported in gold equivalents or zinc equivalents because there's very little copper. But the bulk of the 6 million tons is uh, copper gold, so that's a copper equivalent. Right, okay. Do you think that kind of polymetallic... Uh, element makes you more or less attractive to with regards to these conversations you want to have with mid-tiers? Well, I think I think if this is a very typical um, issue that you have to deal with with VMS deposits, and it's going to come down to the metallurgy. So we have initiated a, a desktop study now that we have 20 drill holes. We can do some thin sections. We can start, we've got started on initial, you know, we're, we're working on a, a preliminary flow sheet that we think could work. And that will feed a much scaled up metallurgy program, especially now that, you know, we have 20 holes that we can use. We'll have another 30 at the end of the phase two program. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to take work, but uh, the historic metallurgy reported, you know, obviously 70 years ago uh, was good. And it was typical of the 60 deposits around us. Historically in this, in this area, there was very little focus on the, zinc gold type deposits. So out of the 60 mines around us that were copper gold VMS producers, 95% of them were focused on the copper gold. Uh, there were, I think, three mines around us that were zinc gold producers, and they, they would have produced a zinc gold concentrate that would have been shipped somewhere out of the state. So I think those, those, are, those are two things for us to look at, defining the metallurgy on a copper gold concentrate, and then potentially on a zinc gold concentrate if we're successful with what we think is there in the southern edge in the southern lens okay so get, and there get, could be more yeah, yeah no i appreciate that thank you but talk to me about sort of timing and money on this because you've got um well how much money will you have at the end of q1 after you've done, hopefully finished your eleven thousand meters well we have we have five million dollars right now after completing the phase one program at both projects plus the the three million you mentioned the warrant money um some of that is coming in. Uh, the 11,000 meter program that we're permitting should cost about two and a half to $3 million. So by the time we're done this program, we would be down to call it uh, two and a half million dollars, $3 million, depending on how much more warrant money comes in. Right, um, okay. But really, if we're successful in hitting those two Western targets, we're, you know, we're gonna have to scale up the program, which would be a function of successfully intercepting those targets. Right, so, so talk to me about what that's gonna take, because your, your stated aim is to prove up scale. You're not here to kind of confirm the resource you've already got. It's just like, let's talk about the potential, let's look at what's going happening on strike, and you've, you've done some preliminary work um, for that. You're gonna to have to raise some money, and you're gonna to have to raise some money, probably Q, Q2, Q3, maybe. What, what, how does, what does this look like going forward? I'm trying, I'm trying to understand how you in your mind have got this mapped out over the next 12 months. So are we looking at some 
a little bit of dilution because the the potential upside here um, is significant because you think you've got scale. Do you are you a bit more cautious? I mean, what's going on in your head? Yeah, I think I, you know, I think if the dilution will be driven by success. So if we can show the if we can show this. We'll raise, we'll raise more money if there's if there's a need to, which really means we're showing that it's getting bigger. So I mentioned we've done a helicopter VTEM survey over the claims, and that's showing it's the geophysics is showing good potential to ex, extend the K mine uh, by two times on strike to the north, and then also uh, double it again to the south. So there's you know the deposit is defined over 300 meters of strike. And we have 500 meters untested to the north, but what there is a single drill hole from 1993 in the north, very shallow hole, uh, was 120 meters deep, and that's the, we believe that's the starting depth of the deposit. So the K mine starts at 120. That hole was drilled only to 120, but it hit massive gold, gold, copper, and zinc, uh, zinc gold sulfides at only 120 meters deep. You know, the best, the best widths that we're seeing in the K mine are at about 300 meters deep. Uh, where we've got a nice hinge zone, 40 meter wide zone of good grades. So that's what we'll be targeting on the strike to the north. And then to the south, we've got 300 meters untested. But that's where, you know, that's where, it's, where it looks like it's switching into a zinc gold zone that Exxon had no interest in, which we believe that's why that's untested. They, they, they reported the zinc and then they wouldn't even assay it. So, you know, the strike potential, we think significant expansion potential on the strike. But then we've got the two targets to the west that have never been drilled. So we've got a... 500 meters west, we've got a 40 meter wide conductor that's over 600 meters of strike. You know, some similar, it starts right at surface uh, and it's got the same soil, same rock anomalies. It's on the same contact, same geological contact as the K-mine, never been drilled. And then a thousand meters west, we've got the Western conductor. It's a 70 meter wide conductor right at surface, a thousand meters of strike, also never drilled with also same signatures as K, same soil samples, same rock samples. Um, so if we, you know, we'll, we plan to start drilling both those conductors, we think either one of those could be another K-type deposit, which, you know, then e each of those would require its own drill program. So that, that would, you know, that's what would drive uh, the need for additional capital. Yeah. I mean, I, what I'm trying to get at is trying to understand is, um, let's say, okay, a bit forward looking. Let's say things carry on. You kind of hitting the sorts of numbers you're hitting now. How much more time? Are you going to devote to this? And therefore, how much more money do you think you're going to need to raise to get it to a point where you think, this is, in my view, as a mining, ex-mining analyst and a geologist, where I can have a proper conversation with someone at a value which I think this is worth. Just you know, using the current, current numbers, let's assume it's kind of homogenous because I want to know how long I'm in this for before you do something which might monetize my shares, allow me to monetize my shares. Yeah, let me estimate. So we we just drilled um, in the phase one program. We had two drills turning. We drilled six thousand seven hundred meters, twenty holes, including the the break for COVID. It took us about four months to drill uh, those, call it seven thousand meters. Uh, you know, I I I think if we were just to if we were just to focus on the K mine, let's say we just wanted to prove up. A forty-three one hundred one resource on that six million tons, it would we probably need about, I would say, I would estimate, at a twenty to twenty-five meter spacing to get um, a measured resource, we'd need another thirty thousand meters of drilling. 
which would cost, I would say, $10 million. But we could easily drill that within 12 months. You know, it's just a question of how many drills do you put on it. Um, but obviously, we, want, we don't want to prove up $6 million initially. We want to prove up 10 But I think if we're doing the step-outs, the market can quickly infer that this is getting much bigger without us having to put a number on it. And the same again for the central target. If we start showing similar grades and widths, I think the value will be driven up because you can, you know, we're showing we're having very good continuity in the K-mine drilling. If we start hitting the same kind of numbers uh, on the central and western targets, which are within a kilometer, and you know, it's very typical in these VMS deposits to have multiple lenses uh, in a in a small radius. I think the market can quickly work out that we're making it much bigger without us having to put a resource on it. You know, although we eventually would want to, you know, that that could take, you know, that could take significantly longer than just showing how much bigger it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, sugar sugar loaf is that just a distraction? I know you're trying to say we've we've got we're not a single asset risk situation here, but two assets. But are you going to be spending much time and effort on that? In reality, uh, no, we don't have anything budgeted for it right now, except for the metallurgy. So the you know, I think the eventual goal for sugar loaf would be to spin it out. We're having a, you know, we've got a, there's a very different audience for that deposit. That's a heat bleach open pit. It's low grade. So the money, most of the money we've raised to date has been towards the K-mine people. There's a high grade copper gold crowd that's very interested in making that bigger. We're seeing now that the gold price has moved out. There is an audience for Sugarloaf people looking for optionality. We do think there's good expansion potential at Sugarloaf. You know, that we think you could double the million and a half ounces but we don't want to start spending money doing that until we show that it can leach. There's no, we think there's no point in making it bigger unless you know that the metallurgy works. So the historic, the historic estimates of the metallurgy there were done by Kinross and Ignico in 2010. They did some, some bottle roll testing from surface samples and from of the RC chips. They were getting 65 to 73% recoveries. We've just completed four drill holes there this summer, uh, primarily to test the metallurgy. So, we believe the deposit is oxidized from surface down to about 100 meters. We sent those top 100 meters of those holes to Capus Cassidy in Reno, and they're going to be doing bottle roll and column testing. And we, I think it's probably going to be, it's probably going to take until Q1 of next year to get the final results back from that metallurgy. But if, if it comes, if it matches up to the historic metallurgy, then at least we show that it leaches, it's worth making it bigger. We probably plan on spinning that out, um, so at least you know our shareholders can retain some of that value, but uh, we wouldn't be using our current treasury for that. Right. Focus okay. Will be on the game line. Makes total sense. Um, management have twenty five percent of the company. Um, how are you guys remunerating yourselves? Uh, we we get a we get a salary, and um, Paul and I are paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars each, uh, and then the bulk of our remuneration though is through through options. Uh, you know, we have we've we have options which we've had since 2015. Um, you know, we make money if the company is successful. Uh, so, you know, we're in this to make this much bigger, and ideally sell the company for a much higher valuation. Yeah, it's pretty fairly tight uh, capital structure and and GNA. Um, appreciate that. And you've got, I mean, there's not much of public float. On this, do you think that's part of the problem? Why I mean, it's it's you've been sort of steadily rising this year, not too shabby. But do you think you need a bit more of a float out there? People start, for people to start taking interest. I, th- I think I think part of it is um, 
we've been under the radar. It's a fairly new company. You know, we have we have lots of we have lots of meetings recently where uh, people have never heard of the company, um, and so you obviously you know I think you have to get people through their due diligence phase of you know asking the questions you're asking uh, to get to get people comfortable. Uh, I, I, I think we'll, you know, I think we'll drive, I think we'll drive the value just with additional drilling. You know, we've been lucky the phase one program was hitting on, on every hole. Um, very good indications that we can drive more value with the phase two program, which, you know, starting hopefully next month, we'll be, we'll be back up and drilling and we should have steady, steady news flow. Okay. Well, nice run through. Yep. It's, I know, I know you, you sound, you sound cautiously optimistic about about this you think that uh, you've got a few contacts i mean you you've got co- our analyst coverage for a company your size which is really surprising you've got like four analysts covering you are, there, are you calling in some favors there uh no we actually we actually hadn't met any of them prior to listing the the company um i think i i you know i think one one came along and uh that None of them. None of them have targets on. They've just listed us as one of their top expiration picks for the next year. You know, without without a, without having a forty three one one resource, it's obviously hard for an analyst to do a DCF or put on an economic analysis. But uh, so far, they all seem to like what we have and the potential that we have. Okay. Well, look, um, Mark. Thanks very much for running through that story. It's new, new to new one to us as well. Um, I like the capital structure, like your approach. Um, best of luck with the drilling. Let us know how you get on. Stay in touch, okay? Yeah, definitely will do. Should start seeing some numbers before year end. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.